welcome to the Vertigo's show. I'm Sean. Eric is telling a tale to a parliament of rooks, so my guest this week is PK. What's that a reference to? The Parliament of Rooks? Yeah. That was an issue of the original Sandman series. Oh. Speaking of Sandman, we read the Sandman universe. You a could say like, preview. hi, I'm PK. They know who I am. <laughs> PK is my brother and we did a great podcast together called Blankcast. And we basically read the original Sandman series side by side. We did. I remember when I, I took out the first volume from like a library and I loaded it to you and like, this is really good. And then you bought the whole thing. Yeah. That first volume I checked out was the something house. One of the houses. It was a game of you. That's what it was. Yeah. Doesn't that have to do with the house? There's a house at the end because she finds her childhood home there. Yeah. And we are the Vertiguys. We're checking out the dark side of DC. Oh, yeah. We're here to recap and review Vertigo comics starting with the big three Sandman, Hellblazer, Preacher. This week is a bit of an aberration because we're doing an out of order Sandman issue Sandman universe number one. Yeah, I liked Sandman a lot, and I liked I liked these. I liked them. I don't love them as much as when I read that first. Oh, we gotta talk about do the structure. I forgot the structure because <laughs> <laughs> on our podcast there was no structure. It was like I'm shot. I'm PK. Here's two hours of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it was great. <laughs> Previously on Sandman, I'm going to go through this real fast. This is really happening. I'm about to spoil the end of the original series. All of you who are listening along with us in our show, Eric, all of you have to stop listening. Yeah, Eric. Loki and Puck each owed the Dream King a favor, and now they're like being beholden to anybody. So they kidnapped a baby named Daniel Hall. This had the desired effect of pissing off Daniel's mother, retired superhero Hippolyta Lyta Hall, who blamed Dream for the baby's disappearance because he had said the baby was his because he had been carried for a year while his mother lived in the Dreaming. To get back at Dream, Lyta sought out the help of the Hecate, a.k.a. the Kindly Ones. They couldn't do much about the stolen baby, but they could punish Morpheus for spilling family blood, which he did when he mercy killed his immortal son Orpheus in return for the location of the missing endless sibling. They got him with the scorpion flail! God, that scorpion flail. Ah, it's the worst. <laughs> a line of scorpions. The worst flail. The kindly ones assaulted the dreaming, killing lots of dreams. Morpheus put a stop to their assault by offering himself and dying. Meanwhile, Loki and Puck tried to cover their tracks by throwing baby Daniel in a fire. They burned away everything mortal while that which was dream survived, and Daniel took on the role of dream, succeeding Morpheus. And as ruler of the dreaming, he restored most of the dreams that had been killed. Oh, yeah, and Lucifer the devil didn't like being the devil, so he walked out of hell and opened a nightclub in Los Angeles. And that's how you got a show on the WB. <laughs> Yeah, and then he had a TV show where he solved mysteries. But that part's not going to be important. I think in the show, I think he still plays in the nightclub sometimes. Yeah, he still has the club, and Mazakine still works there. Who? Mazakine. Is she the lady? Yeah, the half-demon lady that loves him. She's full demon, she has half of a face. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. She's a full demon, half-face lady. Yeah. Okay. Half-face, half-not-a-face, all-demon. I've seen part of an episode of that show. I think I've seen like an episode and a half of I think Lucifer. God and Jesus are there? I know that the last episode introduced the character of God. Okay. Or rather, the narration by God, which was performed by Neil Gaiman. Wow. So that That's was pretty, pretty cool. fun. And it's, it's actually been saved. It's coming back. Oh, okay. So this is Sandman Universe number one, written by Neil Gaiman, Simon Spurrier, Nalo Hopkinson. Nalo? Let's say Nalo. Kat Howard and Dan Waters, art by Bilquis Evely, Dominique Domo Stanton, Tom Fowler, Max Fiamara, Sebastian Fiamara, colors by Matt Lopez. There's an official cover by Jay Lee and Jun Chung, which depicts a ring of characters surrounding the pale figure of Daniel in the center with the emerald dreamstone on his chest, and we can see Merv, Cain, Abel, Goldie, Lucifer, Nuala, the Corinthian, Lucian, and Timothy Hunter, and a couple that I didn't recognize. There's an old man and a young black woman that I didn't recognize. 
I, I didn't have to notice them either. You liked that cover a lot. I did like that cover much more than the uh, variant cover that we have here. This is the variant cover by Sam Keith. In his full regalia, we have Daniel kneeling before a pool, and his reflection scene in it is Morpheus. Yeah, and it's it's a cool concept. I just There's something lacking about the art, especially they have strangely tall heads. Sam Keith always drew Morpheus with a strangely proportioned head, I even mean, in those early issues. I'd have to go back and look at some of the old art, because there's something off about this. Like, it's, like, it's just 10% weird. Okay, okay. Like I said, I compared it to, like, old, like, 1970s D&D manuals. <laughs> it's got that pencil-drawn quality. Yeah, it's got that pencil-drawn quality. So, Neil Gaiman is back writing, which I did not know he would be writing well, Sandman Universe. Well, let's talk about the credits. Neil Gaiman is credited here as the creator of the Sandman, but as far as I can tell, he didn't actually script any of this issue. I see. The rest of the writers and artists come from the four Sandman Universe titles, each presumably worked on the parts of this issue related to their ongoing... So I presume that the, the sort of frame story set in the Dreaming is Cy Spurrier, the Books of Magic story, Cat Howard, the House of Whispers story, Nello Hopkinson, and the Lucifer story, Dan Waters. That makes sense, looking at the credits I presented on the cover. So, Neil Gaiman is just credited as creator. He's not writing. Yeah, he's got a writer credit here, but I don't think that he actually wrote any of this. Okay. Forgive me if I am wrong, Neil Gaiman. Please come on our show. Come on our podcast and we'll talk about my favorite Neil Gaiman book. Anansi gods. Anansi gods? American boys. Oh, okay. 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 That's a book. Really a book. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Before we get into the issue, though, looking at the first page, there's an ad for basically Neil Gaiman, right? Yeah. It's like all his DC work before this. Well, not counting the original Sandman, which I guess they assume we know about. Yeah. Black Orchid is here. Mr. Punch. The Books of Magic. I never read the Books of Magic. I don't know anything about it other than it looks like skateboarding harry potter yeah all right <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit yeah let's talk about that uh eventually so we open up on some rad art of the dreaming and some yeah. rad narration too yeah and it, it turns out to be a guy talking okay so i was interesting and it was a funny punchline but i think it kind of takes the piss out of it when the narration turns out to be a librarian talking to himself narrating his own shitty day yeah let's talk about this narration there is a place where gods are born there is a place where a few ragged sounds can suggest a symphony so the dreaming is the place where artists find their inspiration that's yeah. pretty cool yeah that's yeah i also like this line where idle fancies turn to fornications <laughs> i don't remember every line like you because i just i just read it i took hella notes and i apologize for nothing so the art on this page is pretty rad we've got some sexy clouds we've got a mountain with a face and a thorny vine with some eyes. Yeah. It's just cool shit. I mean, every time we saw the Dreaming and Sandman, it was just cool shit. And then it shows, like, the castle of Dreaming, and surprise, it's cool shit. We zoom in on the castle at the heart of the Dreaming. But don't where... wander off the path that you'll find your antlered man. Oh, man, the fucking nemesis. That's what it is, the nemesis. I yeah, or well, your nemesis. I almost said the foe. I kind of think that Cluricon's nemesis had antlers because Cluricon had them, or could have had them. I don't no. think that it's just like you, but with antlers, but I could be wrong I about assumed, that. I don't know why I assumed, I thought it was just, I thought it was just you, but with antlers. <laughs> I thought your nymphs was always like, because I thought it was like a wild, I don't know, this man. This is a deep cut. In like eight months when we cover this story, I'm going to have to ask Eric whether he thinks it's <laughs> antlers for everybody. I always thought your nymphs was, was like you, but with antlers, like because it's like a, a weird natural version of you. I don't know, man. So we're in the library. And it turns out the narration has been by Lucian. Lucian. 
privately a... narrating when no one's around to see it. And it was cool for Lucian to be the first character on panel, because I loved Lucian yeah, a lot. Great. The two first characters that appear are two of my favorites. Lucian so, and Merv Pumpkinhead. Yeah, so, so Lucian is bragging about how the library contains every book that was never written. Yeah. And then he reaches for something and it's gone. Yeah. And worse, Lucian can't remember what was supposed to be there. He's supposed to know the library inside and out. Yeah. Well, he brags about how he has it memorized. He says, I'm Lucian, I know things. So freaky shit. Yeah. And then Merv Pumpkinhead walks in. And says, don't worry about that, something else is going on, and it's much worse. And he was right, because there's, there's a big hole. Yeah, I like this exchange. Because Mark points out that Lucian was narrating, and Lucian says, it's atmospheric. Yeah, it's atmospheric and, and alliterative. <laughs> and Merv says, atmospheric, huh? Well, funny you should say that. And then, next panel, hard cut to, there's a big old hole. There's, there's a, a hole! It's, this is some Doctor Who shit. The hole! Say? In the dress! No, that's wrong. That's, that's not the line. <laughs> that's a different show. There's a crack in the sky of the dreaming. Yeah. And it's got little cracks, spider webbing off of it. Yeah. It looks pretty bad. And everyone's like, well, we gotta go get, we gotta go get the baby. Well, Cain and Abel come up, right? Oh, yeah, these two assholes. Oh, yeah. These are the Cain and Abel, the Cain and Abel from the first story. Yeah, the Cain ones murders who's... Abel. Yeah, they came murders Abel. And they... I never liked these characters. They're always burning babies. Oh, really? They're so... These are not... These were not involved in the burning of the baby. Who put the baby in the oven? And don't say Gerald. It was Loki and Puck. Oh, God, I hate them even more. Who's Gerald? Gerald of Rivia. Oh. In Witcher 3, there's a part where you put a baby in the oven. What the fuck, man? It's faked. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's to make this thing haunting this guy stop haunting him. <laughs> so Abel is, is mumbling because that's what he does. He's not good at Yeah, he, he stutters and mumbles. But just... what they're trying to say is that they have to go get Dream because this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, I'll go to that helmet he wore that one time in the first issues. As Abel is trying to get the message out, Kane just smashes his face with, with a hammer. And it's like, put that back on their bullshit. I just never, he's like, I'm going to turn him into sausage. I'm going to hit him with a hammer. I'm going to so I, I throw him down of, a pit. I kind of agree on that point. Like, especially in their very first appearance, Kane and Abel had this cartoonish violence thing going on. But there was also like this real level of tragedy that, that dying repeatedly was a horrific experience for Abel. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes it, it's played for pure comedy, like the time he made him into sausage as a show for all the gods that had gathered in the dreaming that time. But yeah, it's being played pretty broadly comic here. Yeah, and I just never, it never resonated with me. It's like that Blood Plus sequel. Blood C? Yeah, where they have like the scenes with the giant characters. I've never seen any of this. I don't know what this is about. A, it's a horrible cartoonish violence at one point, and I just, it just makes my stomach kind of go into a knot. Okay, okay. And I'm like, I do not like it. Eve comes up. She's appearing today as a tall black woman, which is not a form of her we've seen before. But like Morpheus, I guess she takes a lot of forms, depending on who the beholder is. Yeah. She says that it's not just the rip in the sky. Her cave, which hasn't changed in millennia, is now a, a glass, glass cube. cube. Yeah. Could it be the anti-life equation? We also learned that Hippogriff, one of the guards at the gate, has turned into a dissection diagram. Yeah, he like turned that out. And Merlin's like, well, I'm going to clean up this Hippogriff guts. As they're talking about this, we're in the throne room and we can see the stair with no support spiraling up to the throne, which is against the starry sky. And it just looks cool as hell. Yeah. That spiral staircase that just goes up for a long time. And so, then David Bowie sat at the top of it. <laughs> David Bowie? Wasn't Dream based off of David Bowie? Lucifer is based off David Bowie. Oh, uh, okay. Dream was based off of Neil Gaiman. Yeah, more or less. What a fucking... <laughs> Neil, do you hear well, me? Sir, not appearing in this comic is Neil, based on Neil Gaiman. If you fucking hear this right now, you're basing the main coolest character off yourself. It's awesome, but fuck <laughs> you. 
<laughs> who said fuck you to Neil Gaiman? So Lucian reluctantly agrees to go look for Dream. He goes to the gallery. He puts his hand on Dream's helmet, which looks like the classic Sandman's gas yeah, mask. Yeah, it's classic Sandman with guy with a gas mask, chappy with sleeping gun. And in the first issues of the Neil Gaiman Sandman, it was like a terrifying alien head that yeah, he wore. Yeah, it looks like an alien skull and spine coming down. And yeah. it's dope as hell, and it's cool as hell to see it again. And I was really... Okay, so it seems like every page has a cool old throwback. And the gallery is great, because I remember, like, Desire went out and said, I need to talk to you, Dream. And he's like, no, fuck you, you yeah. suck. If you're just coming in, each of the Endless, there are seven of them, and they each have a room in their fortress or their home with portraits of the emblems of the other seven that they use to communicate. Except Destruction, because he fucked off. Yeah, Destruction's There's Dream is now empty. Destiny, Desire, Dream, Death, Despair, and Dementia. At Delirium. Delirium, who used to be... Delight, who became dementia. Delirium. Whatever. All right. <laughs> so Lucian puts his hand on the, on the gas mask to call for Dream, Dream, and it doesn't work. There's no response. Yeah. He says, somebody get Matthew. Yeah. And then we meet Matthew the Raven. Yes. Who was a, another great character I really liked. Out of the Dreaming, the characters I liked the most were probably Mervyn, Matthew, Lucian. Those are my three favorites. All right. Those are good choices. All right. If I have my research right, Matthew's presence here is a bit of a retcon. I believe he was actually killed off permanently in the first The Dreaming series. Huh. And they've just brought him back because he's cool. I never read The Dreaming. I haven't read it either, but it is my understanding that he's killed off two or three times and the last one actually sticks. Okay. Well, that sucks because he's cool. Yeah. But he's back, so that's cool too. <laughs> There's a nice use of perspective on this page because the camera is like right by Matthew so that he looks big compared to everybody as they're all in deference to him. Yeah. Because he is an ordinary-sized raven. Yeah. And then the rest of it is all about Matthew's adventures, trying to find the baby. Yeah, he is annoyed that everybody expects him to find Dream, even though nobody else has any idea how. Right. Ravens just know these things, Ravens just know these things. They said that about nine more times. There's a woman on this page wearing clogs and a fancy coat and an eye patch. I just thought she had a really cool design. (laughs) It's just like one of the random dreams that's standing around. Some of the best things were the, the background dreams just being weird. <laughs> Is the Corinthian ever appearing in any of these background pictures? I don't think so. Uh, anyway, so then Matthew fucks off and he's in, he's in someone's dream. Well, Matthew is irritated because he can feel the boss like a dog leash in my soul, he says. Yeah. He's annoyed that as a raven, he actually does know these things. Yeah. He's annoyed that it's right. (laughs) But yeah, so the quickest way out of the dreaming is to hitch a ride on someone waking up. So he flies into one of these many bubbles that are floating in the sky of the dreaming, which are actually the dreams of the dreamers. And there's this old woman. She's got a pink dress and an apron, and she is joyfully presiding over this massive feast for all these fancy fancy people. Where she's serving a lot of food. Yeah, and Matthew says this is a cool dream. He's impressed by the imagination here. He hates to put a stop to it. I, I like this line. A lot of dreams these days are just the real world without its sex and anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty great. So he's in this dream, and then there's a lady with wings for heads and another lady with antlers, and I think that's a nemesis. Uh, she doesn't have any antlers. No, she does. Oh, there's a woman with antlers behind. Yeah. That's a nemesis. There's a cheerleader. There's a cheerleader with antlers. She's... Maybe she's from the planet in Saga. Where everybody has antlers. No, they all have different kinds of horns, don't they? Yeah, they all have different kinds of horns. No, it's not she's... actually a planet, it's a moon. She's a nemesis. Probably just a nemesis, just hanging out in this dream. But nemesis don't do happy things. Well, she looks for that cheerleader to be mean to her. Yeah. He's about to peck this woman to wake her up. All the cheerleaders have and antlers. And this fork comes flying at him. Yeah. 
And Don't then, you touch her. And Matthew's like, listen, lady, I got, I got, like, a job to do. <laughs> so this lady is Dora. She's a teenage girl in a flannel shirt, and she has feathered wings for ears. I don't know much about her. Oh, I think she's new. I think this is the first appearance of Okay, Dora. good, because I didn't remember her. She has a, been around the Dreaming for a while, Matthew says, but no one knows where she came from. That's right. So she's one of the new threads that's going to be going on in the Dreaming comic, I think, okay. obviously. Dora says he can't just peck people. She's nice, and she dreams great pancakes. Or, actually, she says, well, she dreams great pancakes. <laughs> that's kind of funny, because she's eating them. She's eating the food. In the dream, in the madness, just go to the castle. You get food there. She's like, no, everyone there sucks, and I'm a great new character. She hates going to the castle. She hates the ruler of the dreaming. And also, this is weird, she needs to eat, which no other dream does. Yeah, that's true, too. But she's like, I'm a great new character, and all the old characters suck. Even Morpheus, who was like, you don't need to be scared anymore, but that was a lie. Right, that is why she's so mad at Dream, because Morpheus, this is definitely Morpheus and not Daniel. Yeah. That we see here. Because it's Neil Gaiman, with his... Long shot, shiny eyes. She says, my very first memory is a promise he broke. And he's saying, you don't need to be scared anymore. Yeah, I think you need to be scared, especially in the dreaming. That's apparently, yeah, I, he said something that's a little bit naive, but... Yeah. So, I don't like this chapter. Okay. Because you don't like Dora, because she's got kind of a hate on for all of your favorite characters? Yeah. I thought she was kind of interesting, though. She's kind of interesting. But she's like, all these other characters suck, and I'm a cool new character. Well, she but say fuck that... them. She Especially that... Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Neil Gaiman is not the name of a character in this book. Yeah, it is. His name is Neil Gaiman, the dream. And... Neil Dreamman. Neil Dreamman. <laughs> Keep on trucking. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't really know. Okay, so Matthew reminds her, though, that, that Dream is a different guy now. This is, yeah, this he's, is Daniel, not Morpheus. He's a baby now. She shouldn't hold a grudge. He says, go remind him of his promise, but she says, I refuse to beg. And Matthew's like, you won't beg, but you'll steal. Right? Yeah. And that's where she says, fuck you completely. She's got a good speech here, which I'm going to read right. the entire thing. Yeah, go ahead. So Dora puts her hands on the sides of the old woman's head, and she can see her in the real world, which is a weird thing that dreams can't normally yeah, do. Yeah, they can't, and then, she's, and then she talks of, read the speech, man. Esophageal cancer, as if you care. Bloody great lump in her throat, nil by mouth, see, hence the foodie dreams. I can see her. Palliative ward, magnolia walls, same color you get in prisons. Bird shit on the window, two women flipping between impatience and guilt. Look like sisters, but they ain't. One's got this posh lighter, though she don't smoke. Other one's staring at an engagement ring, trying not to puke. She loves them both, loves them so much, but deep down she knows their stories are bigger and more special than hers. And that hurts. Polyamorous lesbians. What? Polyamorous lesbians. I think that... Well, I think these women are probably her children, or one of them's her daughter and the other is okay, not. Okay, yeah. Or maybe right. one of them's adopted. Not that, I, not that I reread it, I don't think, because she's actually old in the real world, too. But I like that representation. I wasn't saying it's bad. Yeah, it's not clear what the relationship of these two women are. And I don't think that we're going to get any more on this point. Like, these aren't yeah. major characters. This is just a, yeah. a little episode to talk about the value of dreams yeah. and the fact that Dora can see into the real world. It's, it's very, very possible that the two women are lovers and one of them is really anxious about marrying the other. On the other hand, Dora said they looked kind of like sisters. So maybe sure. they're loosely related, but not actually... Yeah. Full sisters. It's one of those interpret how you want scenes. You know, there's all kinds of coding for pretty much any kind of walk of life. Right, right. So that's cool, too. So if she wants to dance and make pancakes, Crow, she can fucking dance and make pancakes, and you won't wake her. 
But like, at the same time, Dora, shut the fuck up. I got shit to do. There's a, there's a hole in the ground. There's a cave that's a cube. That cool kind of... it's not in the ground. It's, it's in the sky. That's worse! <laughs> There's a chimera that turned inside out. He's dead. And he dies a lot. Didn't he die? Yeah, he was killed by the good ladies. Well, uh, who? The good ladies. What are you asking about? Well, didn't they? the good ladies kill all the guards to the gate and then Daniel brought them back? Oh, they killed... Yeah, they killed at least one of the guards at the gate. The only one that stayed dead, if I remember correctly, Corinthian. was... No, not the Corinthian. They brought that motherfucker back? Oh, they he, wasn't, he wasn't killed at all. Uh-huh. He was in the, the center of the palace with Matthew at that time. Okay. And he killed a scorpion with a throwing knife. How? He can't see. He He's can got mouths for eyes. He's obviously able to see through them Do you think regardless. they did this echolocation and like he opened up his eye mouths and goes click, 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 click? That's probably it. We hear that sound a lot when he's around. He's doing echolocation. No, he just does that when he's cold, because the teeth in his eyes chatter. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you think he can eat with his eye mouths? We absolutely know that he can eat with his eye oh, mouths. Oh, yeah, he bites that guy's eyes out with his eyes. Yeah, he's always eating eyes with his eyes. He's so gross. He's the worst. Why doesn't the Corinthian get his own book? Well, the Corinthian's a pretty major character in the first Dreaming, as I understand it. Okay. I gotta read that. You said that Matthew has work to do. And yeah. Matthew agrees. He's like, anyway, screw this. I'm waking the woman up. And that's when we get... She turned ugly like Zarbon in Dragon Ball Z did. Yeah, pretty much exactly. This is actually her ultimate form. There's a full page panel here of her turned into this giant rage monster that says... Zarbon. That's not what she says. She says, leave her alone. And that causes both of them to get blasted out of this dream bubble and back into the, the regular dreaming. And Matthew's like, what the hell? How can you kick people out of dreams? He says, what the hell? I always imagine Matthew like a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. Even though... Ah, what the hell? What did you do there for? You dusty broad. <laughs> this isn't so much a Brooklyn accent as your impression of Jeremy Renner in the town. <laughs> Shot him in the heart, Dougie! <laughs> <laughs> so, Let so... me drink this soda pop before I die. Matthew, <laughs> spoilers for the town. Sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> so Matthew says, what the hell are you? And Dora just looks sad and lonely there. Yeah, she, then she wanders out and like, I still got a job to do, lady. Thanks for... F- not only did you not win, you made me not win, too. Matthew says... And he pecks her eyes out. That's not what happens. He says, ravens just know these things. My feathery freaking ass, they do. Yeah, because he doesn't and know what she is. Flies off. Because she's a Zarbon. And that's when we get a total art shift. Yeah, we have a new artist in this in Harry Potter. I'm not going to stop making Harry Potter jokes. He's looking for another way out of the dreaming, so he enters somebody else's dream. Yeah. And this is Timothy Hunter, the protagonist of the Books of Magic. Also a book I haven't read. Okay, so, quick history. The Books of Magic began as a 1990 miniseries proposed as a way to highlight DC's mystical characters. It's about this kid, Timothy Hunter. He's a 12-year-old boy with glasses. This is seven years before Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. And he's destined to be the world's greatest magician. Okay. So DC's various magical characters, including the Phantom Stranger, Constantine, and Zatanna. What about Dr. Midnight? Who? Oh, no. Dr. Dr. Fate. I don't think Dr. Fate was there, but I don't know. What about Swamp Thing? I don't know. I didn't read it. Hell, John Constablazer. I said that one. They Uh... (laughs) They give him a guided tour of the mystical world, basically, so he can decide whether to accept or reject his destiny. And then from 1994 to 2000, Timothy Hunter had an ongoing series in which he just had mystical adventures. I want to read that one a lot. The Books of Magic. I want to read that one more than I want to read The Dreaming. 
So this is some action movie stuff as Tim is being hurled by this giant explosion and there are these enormous chains coming yeah, out of the explosion. It's, it's, and he's actually being blown out of the mouth. There's this giant toothed moss surrounding him. Oh, I thought those were like glass shards. But no, yeah, you're right. It's like, he's like... It's like that part in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, man, with the Millennium Falcon and then there's like, that's Rylox. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Matthew Rylocks, fuck Han Solo in the Empire Strikes Back, and there's a giant Matthew in the corner that's going, "Wake up!" Yeah, and then he does, and the Harry Potter's got to go to Slytherin. Well, he wakes up and he's late for school, and he's rushing out to yeah. get to school. And he Dudley is... Dursley, he runs down the stairs where Dudley Dursley lives in this weird alternate universe. He is surprised to discover that his teacher is not, as he expects, Mr. Brisby, who's a beautiful woman with uh, bobcut hair, a black skirt, gray blazer, very like turn of the century Austrian governess, <laughs> and he's got a bright red scarf. And this is Dr. Rose. Is she a character we know? No, or she's introducing she... herself. Okay. She says, here, you may call yeah. me Dr. Oh, yeah. Rose. You may call me Dr. Worm. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Worm. I'm interested in things. <laughs> I'm not a real doctor. Shut up. That was talking to me. So, she's a new character. We haven't seen her like, as, a, as a Zantana supporting character. Yeah, as far as, as, as I a, know, Dr. she's a... Fate's wife, as sister. As far as I know, she's a brand new Timothy Hunter Volume 3 character. Okay. She gives him a blank book and she says... When you can catch the grasshopper from my hand, it's time for you to go. You remember Kung Fu really well, I can see. I love Kung Fu, dude. So she asks him to read the next bit, but he has forgotten his book. So she hands him this red book. He opens it, and it's blank. And he says, Expelliarmus. I thought this part was really cool and scary. This is actually my favorite part. He's, like, experiencing dream logic even though he's awake. Yeah, and I was wondering if it was another dream. But even yeah, though, it turns even out though Matthew woke him up, I was wondering, is he in another dream? A dream within a dream, but it turns out he's just awake and this weird shit is actually Yeah, and, and she's like, you're a wizard. And Hermione is like, you can read my book, Matthew. We meet, yeah, we meet two other students here. There's Tyler, who is snide, and Ellie, who is nice. Because those are the supporting characters archetypes. Snide and nice. <laughs> well, Ron Weasley is not actually snide. He's, he's... He can be snide. <laughs> He's lazy. <laughs> He's not really snide to Harry Potter. I don't know. It's true. So he can't read the red book. Oh, of course, the bit that they end up reading is, <laughs> I have had a dream past the wit of man to say what dream it was, which is from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. I saw that play. And it's like, of course, at least once per segment, we gotta, we gotta mention dreams. <laughs> I just know it's like this final panel. <laughs> Matthew. Ah! Yeah. So. Ah! So. Ah! So Tim goes up to... Are you Daniel? Tim goes up to, to Dr. Rose after class, and he says, "I actually, I was lying. I could read the book. And as he says this, Matthew is, like, slamming into the window behind him, trying to get his attention. Yeah. She says, the magic won't reveal itself until the magician is ready. So the book is full of, like, some magic that she wants him to learn. Right. And she says, and some books are more difficult than others. And as Matthew is scrabbling to get in the window... This is scary, too. Dr. Rose tells Tim that Mr. Brisby won't be coming back, and she'll stay on as long as she's needed. And we can see, from Matthew's perspective, outside the window, what Tim can't. Yeah, and from Tim's point of view, it's just a nice, clean office. Matthew says, why can't he see this? And there's a dead man. Mr. Brisby is dead on the desk with his blood all over the floor. Mr. Brisby is dead. (laughs) Mr. Tadokichi has been shot. So it's pretty much, she's Alfred Molina from The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay. And his Jay from The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I haven't seen that movie. Well, okay, Alfred Molina is the evil sorcerer. Like, hey, do evil with me, but I'm going to be sneaky about it. Yeah. And Jay is, yeah. And Jay is the titular apprentice, and Nick... Nicholas Cage. Is the Gandalf. Obi-Wan. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
I think the implication is she's trying to get him to do evil thing. Oh yeah, yeah. She's gonna be. That's why she gives him red book. bad magic. Yeah, and he's like, okay, and then she killed his teacher so she could get closer to him. Yeah, it's very, it's very bad and, and, and very spooky. Yeah. But before Matthew can warn Tim, the dog leash tying him to Dream, he yanks him away, and he's yeah. in another scene. Yeah, and then Matthew's like, I'm going to go to the Big Easy. He ends and up then in... they do the opening song from uh, The Frog Princess. I've never seen that film. Oh, it's good. It's like this big song about how life is so easy and great in Louisiana. I'll have to like reread this section while playing that song just to get the full <laughs> picture. Yeah, no. So, yeah, he's... Down in New Orleans! He is dragged away to New Orleans, we see... Two women walking on the boardwalk with two younger girls. Um, all, all of these girls are black, by the way. Just maybe worth noting. Yeah, it's, it's representation, and that's important. Yeah. So this book is, like, setting up to have an all-female, all-black cast. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. So the youngest girl, Habibi, is Habibi. complaining that the older two, Latoya and Maggie, are dawdling. And then we see why they're dawdling. They stopped to make out. And Latoya says, We were about to tell you guys anyway. The middle girl, Lumi, already knew. Apparently, Latoya is Lumi and Habibi's older sister, sister but yeah. is raising them. Yeah. And Maggie's her girlfriend. So Maggie has brought presents to ingratiate herself with the kids. Trying to buy her love already, huh? Cool. Yeah, and Habibi is, like, not having any of it. She's like, I don't like this. Yeah, so she throws her present, uh, which is a medallion depicting an alligator in a top hat, off the boardwalk into the water. And I don't know much about, like, real-world Loa and Poodoo, but is that a thing? This is a thing. So I will come back to it when we get his name. Okay. But yeah, this is a this is a mythological character. Is Here. he as mythological as a chupacabra? Well, would Doctor Fate fight one? I mean, they might be on the same side. You don't know. No, no one's on Doctor Fate's side, but Doctor Fate. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Fate sounds like kind of a prick. Yeah, he is. You've seen Young Justice. It's yeah, kind of, Young. He's Doctor kind of an Fate, a-hole. Doctor Fate and Young Justice is an asshole. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I like a lot of these stories that I cannot... I know it's, like, a little bit separate from the, the mainstream DC universe, but I, I know it's in the DC universe, so I can't help but correlate. So just as soon as you find out that something is in the DC universe, you're like, is Dr. Fate gonna be there? <laughs> yeah, or Darkseid. This is why we went to see Suicide Squad. We had heard it was really bad, but we had to make sure Dr. Fate wasn't there. I just want Dr. Fate to show up in one thing. I thought he was gonna be in Suicide Squad, but it wasn't him. It was the sorceress, the enchantress. Yeah, that would be a good. That would be a good ending to the movie. Is just like when she teleports across country to try to steal her heart from Amanda Waller, and there's just like a golden forest field. And Doctor Fate is like, no, no. Nope. He takes her back to the jungle temple, <laughs> to South America. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Bibi threw her alligator into the ocean. Yeah. So I thought that the alligator medallion turned into a real alligator wrapped in chains. Me too. Okay, that was your read? Yeah, that's, I, that's I what I thought the panel was depicting, but it turns out... He has a, a line that kind of implies that he, like, tried to, to nab it. Yeah. But I thought that he was, like, trapped in that medallion to begin with, and he turned in, back into it when he was exposed it's, to water. Yeah, it's a weird panel. Because we, we see a bunch of this alligator in succession. It's a time lapse in one panel. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's obviously the medallion... Like going further down, sinking down, and I thought, yeah, we don't actually see an alligator swimming towards it, so no. that's why I thought he had transformed. Me too. So well, Habibi's being kind of a bitch here. Yeah, and, and I, I think that it's not. Uh, she doesn't have an issue with Latoya being a lesbian. She has but an she issue has with. Someone... She has an issue with with Maggie integrating into her family. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, it's that, and I think, you know, your mom gets a new boyfriend, and you're like, well, I don't like that because that means less love for me. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I think that's Habibi's problem here. All right. So this this gator is trapped in these golden chains. He's trying to swim to freedom, and then a beautiful uh, topless black mermaid swims up and saves him. Yeah, and it turns out he's Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. That is not true. No, but he's in the swamp somewhere. Because he's in most swamps. Yeah, she drags him to the shore on the swamp and they have a conversation here. And do thank you, fine lady. Urzuli. That's her name. Urzuli. Yeah. So, while he's saying that she is magicking herself some legs and a dress. Yeah. Which looks stunning, by the way. She teases him about going swimming in chains. Bad idea. Always wait half an hour before wrapping yourself in chains. (laughs) That's a funny line. (laughs) I don't know that it was, but... uh, I thought it was kind of funny. It's just like these deities trading jabs, and it makes me laugh. He says he shouldn't go grabbing for shiny things, because now he's got entangled in the girl's story. But Urzuli says... You sure about that? You're the one the chain trapped, but I'm the one that got you free. Seems to me I'm the one who gets to partake of their story now. I see. Does that mean we're not going to see Mr. Tuesday? I don't know if we're going to see this guy again. He's a, well, well there, there's a hint that we're going to see him again. Is he Killer Croc? He's not Killer Croc. Is, does he know Killer Croc? Okay, he introduces himself here. This is where we get his name. Uncle Monday. Uncle Monday, that's what What did I say? Mr. Tuesday? I said Mr. Tuesday because I was thinking of Mr. Wednesday. <laughs> Sometimes they call him Alligator King. That's a cool Ursula name. Ursula calls him that in this page. And Down in New Orleans. So he is apparently a character from Seminole Legend. He is an African medicine man who was transformed into an alligator to wait out the end of some period of trouble, either slavery or war or just generalized white oppression. Jim Crow He's laws. turned into an alligator to hide in the swamp to, to wait out the troubles. Well, that seems kind of rude. He could be out there helping. He's an educated man. He's, it's like he's, King Arthur. King Arthur will return to England they need him the most. I think that that happened it was World War Two. <laughs> you're saying if, if King Arthur was coming man the Blitz was when we needed him yeah okay <laughs> they were bombing London nightly he should have been there <laughs> do I have this image of like King Arthur striding along and this fucking big bomb comes down and he whacks it to the side with his sword yeah dude that's not what happened no it was a tragedy this is where we get the hint by the way she says will you come over to the house someday and tell me your story so once we get to her series, House of Whispers, uh, Uncle Monday should show up and tell his story. Get the comic adaptation of the life of Uncle Monday at some point in there. Urzuli a- is also a voodoo loa. She's a he's a he's a, a seminal legend. She's a voodoo loa. Okay. She's a, a god or a family of gods. There are sort of different aspects of the Urzuli character or different Urzulis, and they include a spirit of beauty, love, and jewelry. But also, there's a fierce protector of women and children. Ah. Okay. So. I want to say something, and it might be a mad because I've been harping on this for a while. Do you think Killer Croc's going to get involved? There have been multiple origins for Killer Croc, and one of them is he ran afoul of some voodoo in the swamp. I didn't know that was ever a thing about Killer Croc. I always thought he was just a man with a condition. Uh, it depends on how mystical or scientific the DC Universe is feeling that week. Because I definitely remember hearing that one of the origins for Killer Croc... Okay, so like they're listing all the things that's wrong with Killer Croc... And it's like, some say it's a skin condition, some say it was a science experiment, some say he ran afoul of some voodoo in the swamp. Okay. It's packed in with a bunch of other origin stories, but it's there. And I want to say, do you think that there is a connection at all enough to bring in... Like, just because they're the main... doing a book about, like, voodoo in the DCU, that maybe they'd connect Killer Croc? Yeah. I think that ultimately depends on whether the they... author, Nello Hopkinson, has any interest in doing a Killer Croc story. I think you could do a pretty cool, like, Sandman take on Killer Croc. Yeah, He's... you could. Well, he had, one, he had one really good episode of animated series where he was, like, living in the circus. Yes. Trying to take care of the circus folk, but he also had the, the urge to keep doing crime. Yeah. 
He also has some really weird episodes of so, the Batman series where he was dating Baby Doll. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't like that. My Let's... favorite Killer Croc appearance in Batman the Animated Series is the one in which Killer Croc is not actually there. Oh, of course. It's Batman in disguise. Yeah, it almost got him when he turns out to be Batman. But frankly, like, I wouldn't bet on it because there's already probably going to be an Uncle Monday story in the first several issues. Yeah. They're probably not going to come back to the Alligator Man well right off. Yeah, you're probably right. So Howls and Whispers are shaping up to be pretty cool. I really like all these characters. Of course they're mine. Women, girls, and the stories of their lives, all mine to care for. Ursula says as Uncle Monday turns back into an alligator and, and swims away. And, he just and leaves. His tail, his tail is the panel break as we cut back to the four young women. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a pretty cool, that's pretty cool paneling. Pretty cool paneling. And then they're back to this family and Habibi's still being kind of a bitch. Well, Habibi says Latoya is just trying to be like dad and, and, by, dating, by dating Maggie. And Latoya's response <laughs> here is amazing. I date girls. You know dad dates guys. Yeah. Everybody then, laughs except Habibi, who has this amazing full panel. That is, awful. Just that mad is a face. really good panel. That is a really good panel of her face looking grouchy. I don't like being laughed at. She says Maggie's not her sister and can't tell her what to do. And that's when Maggie decides to mention that she has a plot hook that they should all pay attention to. Because this is going to come back in another comic book. She says, Let me show you this weird book I found. Ah, <gasps> oh, I forgot that super one. And then Urzuli says, she says, my stories always end in tears. And it shows the family, like, happy and walking away. Habibi's still being a little bit of a brat. But she's not being a pure antagonist. She's being a little kid brat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like these characters. Yeah. And then this is a, but things will get bad, though. Killer Croc's going to show up with Darkseid. Yeah, well, there was, like, I mean, there was a substantial degree to which the original Sandman series, especially in the early issues, was also a horror series. And Oh, yeah, you forget scary it. stuff. The Doctor Destiny story in the first few issues had yeah. me creep the exactly. fuck out. So we have a very cute family moment here, but things may get pretty scary for these characters. Yeah, man, they got they got a book and they got an alligator, man. I also want to call out that there's like there's kind of a mission statement here, as Urzuli is saying. You know, these are the stories that are my domain. Is the stories of girls and women. Like Neil Gaiman has said before that there were male and female Sandman stories, and. And there's the accusation in, in World's End that these are all boys' stories, you remember? Kinda, yeah. I never really agreed fully with that, though. I'd, maybe it's because I'm a man, but I enjoyed every story in The Sandman. I didn't read the story and go, that's girls! That's a Not like when I was eight watching Disney movies and watched Beauty and the Beast and I'm like, that's a girls' movie. Right. I, I never did that when I was reading The Sandman. Of course, I wasn't eight years old. <laughs> so, what she's saying here is that there are stories that don't fall under Cain and Abel's purview. Uh, and then there's a there's a Good. house, the House of Whispers, yeah. for girl stories. Good. I hope there's a bunch of stories that don't fall under Cain and Abel's purview. I hate Cain. Wow. Yeah, um, he's a dirt. He's a dirt bag. He's, he's a dirt. A, he's a murderer. He's a dirt. He's he's. I hate him. He's dirt. No, I I don't know. I'm amused by those two characters. Even though, yeah, it, 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 they're hit and miss with me because sometimes they really, it really is just like, and then he killed Abel again. Yeah, his sausage. <laughs> yeah, his sausage. Yay, his sausage. Abel. But then also, there's like at the very end of the series when he gets really upset, begging Daniel Dream to restore Abel after he'd been killed by the kindly ones. Okay, so the next chapter is the weirdest one. This is Lucifer's chapter. Yeah, Matthew goes looking for the Prince of Hell, who he has heard is missing, and this is kind of. This is kind of random, even by the standards of what's been going on so far. Like, yeah, I've been looking for Dream, and I decided to stop doing that and go looking for the devil. And it's weird, because it's like, I know 
Lucifer is the most popular spinoff of Sandman. We gotta have a book about him. We gotta talk. He got his own TV show. Yeah. He got his own comic. He's bright. He wears a suit. Yeah. And you look at him with his martini. That's a, there's that famous image. And in some ways, he's almost as famous as Sandman. But this is really weird, nonetheless, to this go, is... gotta find Eddie, gotta find Eddie, gotta find Lucifer. So and Lucifer is not doing what we last left him doing. Well, I have not done research on what goes on in the Lucifer series. Uh, that's Presumably a good point. this follows on the end of his entire series. He's got 75 issues of his own adventures. I should read that. Matthew does swing by his bar, Lux, which is abandoned and looks trashed. Yeah. He throws a bottle through the window so he can get in. Which is cool. Just, <laughs> I like the image of a bird carrying a bottle and throwing it at people. <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh every time. Anytime a bird carries something and drops it on you, it's great. Except when it's a flea man in Castlevania. Oh, that. fuck him. The worst. I hate that shit. So he does kind of make an excuse for looking for Lucifer here. He goes basically like, if the King of Dreams is missing and the Prince of Hell is missing, maybe there's a connection. Yeah, and well, you know, it's just like, he knows Lucifer and Sandman have a history. So maybe he's like, maybe he knows something. If there's a clue that could lead me to him, and on to Dream, I have to check it out. Not that I'm scared. Not one bit. Crows just know these things. Not to be scared of Satan. and <laughs> Not to be scared of Satan. You should probably be a little bit afraid. Yeah. You guys should be more worried about Galactus than you are. So, he finds Lucifer. Well, what he finds here is that the floor of the basement of the club is covered in the skeletons of birds. Yeah, and he's he like, wow, like... this is not where I should be because I am a bird. He doesn't like that one bit. And who can blame him? There's this ghostly raven that calls out, don't go. He's like, fuck you, I'm leaving. Matthew tells him to move on because he's a, he's a ghost. You're dead, bud. Yeah, it's time for you to go. I'm going to call my boss's sister. He says none of them can move on because Lucifer has them still. He has them captive. He has their spirits captive in this basement. Which, rude. He has apparently used a spell, Lucifer did, to hide this place from the Lady of Ravens. It's not clear to me if Who that is? Well, that might be Eve because um, Matthew does hang out at her cave from time to time. Okay. And he says... And he, says he says it's something like an old spell. And I'm like, yeah, well, who knows old spells besides the devil? I like this. He drew us here with whispers that shone like silver foil and still cooling eyeballs. Oh, yeah. This is what he used to lure in the ravens. Because they're gross carrion birds. Okay, so he tortured and killed a whole bunch of ravens for a spell. Yes. And the ghost leads us into a flashback here. This is actually the only time yeah. we see Lucifer is in a flashback. Yeah, we don't know where the fuck he is. And the raven is like, I have so much sorrow because all these other ravens are being murdered around me. And, and Lucifer goes, sorrow, as we all have to have been born. He says that they're all shackled to fate and to suffering by God's plan. Um, yeah, it's, it's more Lucifer bullshit. But he, says, but he says, oh, but Lucifer has the best lines. <laughs> yeah, they're really well written, but he's still full of bullshit. I mean, the devil. The issue... The issue in Season of Mists, where Morpheus visits him in hell, and they have the whole conversation about why he's quitting, yeah. that's one of the best written issues in the whole series. That's amazing. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so, Lucifer says, Rejoice, for the part that your murder plays will help us break his shackles once, at least. I want to call out the art of Lucifer on this page. He looks, like, really beautiful, really alien, and a hell of a lot like David Bowie. Yeah. He looks terrifying and good-looking. It's terrifying and good looking so the raven comes back with a pretty good zinger he says well you're the devil and you're still torturing so that's god's plan yeah and lucifer says shut up that's mean lucifer explains what he's doing here he says the pain he's caused the ravens hurt him too he is breaking a symbol of the devil ravens right to break his own invulnerability because his plan requires him to be vulnerable maybe he wants to die and go to heaven that's the plot of dogma <laughs> He says, but now I've learned his cruelest joke has been to have me repeat what he did to me. 
Now Lucifer has forsaken his own son. Lucifer yeah, says, we're talking about the son of Lucifer. Lucifer says he will do anything to avoid becoming a hypocrite. Hmm. Raven goes, you have a son? Lucifer says he's going to give his son the one thing that he never had, a mother, and to find her, he's going to need the help of those who would see him destroyed or bound. He says, this is cool, he says, I'll arm myself with sharpest moonlight, and he makes a dagger out of moonlight. That is pretty cool. It's full of cool imagery and stuff, and I really want to read more, but Mm -hmm. that's the problem with the preview is, okay, it's all this cool stuff, then it ends. Okay, so you're feeling like you're just not getting a a full bite of story here, because... Because each of these is just a preview of Yeah, I'm getting like a nibble of a french fry when I really want a hamburger. Okay, so the raven says, speaking of symbols, what about hope? You'll need hope where you're going, and Lucifer agrees with that. All journeys require hope. And Lucifer goes, okay, that makes sense. You need, we need to have some hope here. So he'll release the raven as one raven gets to live as a symbol of hope. Okay. But then as he tries to fly away, this hulking bald dude is standing. He's in the doorway, and, and Lucifer hasn't noticed him. And he grabs the raven. And he eats him. You think hope may free us from a bind? It is the cruelest prison Yahweh built, for from it there is almost no escape. Where you go, you must take no hope. No Crushes hope. the raven in his hand. Now no I want hope. to know what's going on. But you don't get to. But I don't get to. Because it's a free view. <laughs> and then they go back to the present, and Matt's like, well, that's weird. Bye. I want to point out that the raven says the other raven spirits were pulled into some dark place of delirium. Delirium is a madness. Delirium is a lady. Okay, so Matthew doesn't know where to look for Lucifer or Dream. He says, you truly think Lucifer could be trapped? I gotta say, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. (laughs) And as they fly away, we see this big dude with his big bushy blonde beard. Is that Lucifer? I think that is Lucifer. He's got a shovel. That's the form that he's going to be trapped in during the Lucifer series. Okay. I don't know why he has a shovel. He's surrounded by corpses and stuff. Oh, is he burying all these ravens? I don't know. Oh, he's, he's, he's in a graveyard. Yeah. Okay, so he's like working in a graveyard in the hot sun. Uh, the club, club was cooler. <laughs> I fought God and God. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew and the ghost raven fly off together, but the next time we see Matthew, it's just he Matthew. has parted with his dead buddy. Yeah. Matthew narrates. It's a surprise when it happens, and we're back. I think we're in is... New York City or Chicago or somewhere. Well, it's raining, so I assumed it was London. Huh. So Matthew, he's alone, he senses dream, he calls out to him as he flies down to the street. He says he feels something wrong, something broken. And by the time he almost reaches dream, he can't remember what he was doing there. Like someone went and cut the dog leash in half. You know yeah. the feeling, right? Sure you do. Happens every damn morning, right after you wake. The moment you forget your dreams. And then we finally see that Matthew. He looks, really, he looks pretty cool. Matthew basically forgets that he almost saw dream and he flies away. Yeah. And that's when we see Daniel. Daniel. And Daniel's just standing there looking, looking up, like maybe he knew Matthew was there, but maybe he didn't. You were saying he's looking really cool? Yeah, I like this I like this design, honestly. I think it looks pretty cool. He's got um, a leather jacket and some Chuck Taylors. Yeah, it's just a cool design. Because before every time we see Morpheus or Matthew, they're just kind of generic, billowy robes, long face. Well, Morpheus would oh, put Morpheus on, Morpheus would put, would put on civilian clothes, like if he was going to be around true. people. He would put on, like, a black coat and some jeans. That's true. And, like... Actually, I'm way off, because Morpheus, in the, they would show flashbacks of Morpheus in the past wearing, like, fashionable clothes of the era, like pantaloons. Yeah, that's right. So that I'm full of shit, hanging out and I'm the, wrong as hell. The time that he was hanging out at Cambridge with Destruction and the Corinthian, yeah. and in Men of Good Fortune when he met Hobgadling, he was always wearing cool clothes from whatever time period. Yeah. But this is the first time we see Daniel like this. Every time we've seen him before, he's been, like, generic dream in the dreaming yeah those fancy time lord robes with the big shoulders yeah or he's been a baby 
Yeah. A human baby. A baby. He is still an all-white. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the design is still very... Like what they used to do with Morpheus, he would be wearing, like, clothes, but they'd be black. Yeah. Like his... His yeah, primary he's, color. He's still got a motif. He's still got yeah. a theme going. And, and that Daniel is the same way. He's standing in this alley. The rain's coming down. And it's not touching him. It's just there's a halo around him as the rain redirects. Yeah. And I noticed that there's a cat watching him. There's a cat staring him. right at him. Like maybe nobody else can see him. But this cat can yeah, see him. Yeah, everyone has to turn backs around him. Except for the cat who's looking right at him. Because cats can see things that normal people can't. So we'll go back to the... We, we didn't find David. But we go... Well... We did, the viewers. Yeah, so Matthew returns to the dreaming. He has not found Daniel. Lucian welcomes him home even though he failed. He says, the situation is getting worse in the dreaming. The crack's getting bigger. Abel smelled a secret in the gallery. There's a weird creature made of irregularly sized blocks that has popped out of the crack. Cain is trying to stab it, but the knife passes right through. Yeah, it's weird looking. And Lucian knows what happened when Matthew found Dream. So you found him, yes? You found him, but he avoided you. Made you forget. Uh, how did you know? Ravens just know these things. Yeah, so Lucian reminds us that he was once one of yeah, Dream's Ravens. Yeah, Lucian used to be a raven before Dream made him the the leader of the library. He leads... Leader of the library. <laughs> That's what they're called. <laughs> Head librarian of dreaming. <laughs> I'm in charge of all the books. They must do what I say. I am leader of the library <laughs> of all the books never written. Lucian leads Matthew into the gallery and he and he goes on. The truth is, Matthew, things are worse than others realize. I didn't want to cause a panic, but well, ravens can keep secrets. And then, like, we see them looking at something and he goes, oh no! And we turn the page and it's the gallery and it looks like Dream's sigil and stuff has been smashed and he's like, I think he's quit. Frame containing Dream's sigil lies smashed on the gallery floor with the helmet next to it. Yeah, David quit. He quit being Dream because he's a bad baby. <laughs> he's an ill behaved He's a bad baby. And yeah, he's quit. And his dreaming... mom will show up and say, David, you go back to being Dream. Well, I think she probably remembers that his name is Daniel. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not his fucking mom, so good for her. Well, she wouldn't tell him to do that because she'd just be like, come home now. And he'd be like, I'm not a baby anymore. It's like, you better be a baby, Daniel. Actually, you be a baby right now. I don't remember all the details on this. What happened to Hippolyta? Did she become so, a scorpion flame? Hippolyta and Hector went back to being in the Justice Society. And this happens in a Justice Society issue. Oh. One of them died. And I don't remember which one. Maybe it was both. But at least one of them died. And, like, they're just, like, freezing to death on a mountain. And door opens, Daniel pops out, and he's like, you know, and he invites them to come to come be in the Dreaming after they die. Oh, wow. So, huh. Who were they in the Justice Society, Justice League? Apollo Hall's codename was Fury, and Hector's name was Sandman, of course. Oh, yeah, he's Sandman. Interesting. So, yeah, he's decided to go be human, maybe? I, I don't know. Which... Do, you think, do you think that Daniel's story as he goes and tries to not be Dream is something that they'll spend time on? Or do you think it'll just be like, that's the device that lets us focus on the Dreaming and the absence of Dream? I hope they focus on it. You're curious about it. Yeah. I want to see this bad baby get his comeuppance. <laughs> it sounds like you're pretty upset with him for his choice. He's <laughs> being a bad baby. <laughs> Where is his emerald? Where, uh, did he not have his emerald in that shot? I don't think so. But, like, I would like to see the endless to say, you're being a bad baby, Daniel. No, you're right. His shirt's kind of green, but he doesn't have an emerald. 
I hope that it's not just, well, he quit, so we're fucked. I hope they focus on it. I hope we see the other endless try and reach out to him. I don't know. I think there's like, there's characters that are increasingly close to the center of, of Neil Gaiman's universe, right? Yeah. Like, there's concentric rings of characters. Yes. And at the very center is, like, Mervyn Pumpkinhead. That's not what I was going to say, but you're probably right. He's the most important one and the best one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although, did I mention that Dora, one of the reasons Dora doesn't like the castle is that Mervyn called her sugar tits? But so in the center is, like, Morpheus. Yes. Right? And, and at the end of the original series, Morpheus dies at the same time as Neil Gaiman quits. Nobody else writes Morpheus. Right. And then right next to that, in my view, are the rest of the Endless. Yeah. And they are still kind of part of Neil Gaiman's story. They're kind of his to work with, in my opinion. And it wouldn't upset me if we don't really see more of them in the Dreaming series. Because it's not really the Endless series, it's the Dreaming series. You disagree. I can tell by the fact that you... You know, you look like... Max Payne. I was going to say an Oni. (laughs) (laughs) I strongly disagree. I think... Yeah, they're Neil Gaiman's characters. However, I want to see them. If we're going to do the dreaming... Like you said, they're the first circle. I think some of those are more important than others. I think Destiny and Destruction... But like, Death and Delirium and Despair Mm. and Dissex... Desire? Desire. The sex? <laughs> I forgot their name, dude. Death, delirium, dream, and doing it. <laughs> For me, I think a dreaming series without them appearing at all wouldn't be bad, but it would be lacking something. Okay. So namely them. So your your points are twofold. One is that you don't think that they're too close to the center. You don't think that they're in sacrosanct. You would be happy to see more writers work on those characters. Yes. And two... If you're going to follow the dreaming, you want to see the endless. Yes. Okay. I respect that. I think you may be right in that I don't know if the endless night stories were all written by Gaiman. Hmm. So maybe other people have already worked on the other endless. Another thing I really want to see is a scorpion flail. Talking so, about this. So if there, oh, if there had to be four books, like one of them has to be scorpion flail. <laughs> I keep talking about the scorpion flail. And the scorpion flail is a funny story to me. So this <laughs> is the weapon that's wielded by the kindly ones. The kindly ones, when they, the when they merge into one being, which we never see on panel. Right, it's always seen from its own perspective. Yeah. So um, we only ever it, see the person that it's interacting with. We first see them before they merge. They mention a weapon called the Scorpion Flail. Yeah. And I hear that, and I think, I don't know what that is, and I know a little bit about medieval weaponry, because I was a history major for a time. I think maybe it's like a flail with like a, maybe a scorpion tail model-looking mace head on it or something. Okay. Or something. Maybe it's a poison or, or, or flail. Or maybe it's or like a flail that is just a whole scorpion tail that you swing. Yeah. So when they use it, finally, on on Morpheus, it is in fact a chain of scorpions. <laughs> they hit him with a bunch of scorpions, like, with their claws holding together. <laughs> oh, I was not expecting one that. scorpion were to be lax in his duties. The whole thing goes by. Listen, man. A scorpion flail is only as strong as its weakest scorpion. <laughs> well, that gets the maximum stings into your square inch, though, you know? Yeah, I just was not expecting that. And I lost my mind. <laughs> that was the day I did. <laughs> and I can't not think about the scorpion flail every day in my life, because I was not expecting a chain of scorpions. Okay, so that is the end of the story, but the... Last couple pages of the issue do have a full page ad for each of the four Sandman Universe series. 
The Dreaming, Books of Magic, House of Whispers, and Lucifer. And then the next two pages are an ad for the rest of the Vertigo relaunch. Yep. Border Town, Hex Wives, Goddess Mode, American Carnage, Safe Sex, High Level, and Second Coming. But let's talk a little bit, I think, about the Four Sandman Universe series. Yeah. First off, The Dreaming. The continuing adventures of Lucian, Matthew, Kane, Abel, the Dora, those kind of people. Yeah, it looks like on the cover that Dora and, and Matthew look very important, and the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that's not Matthew, that's Lucian. You can't call everybody Matthew. Everyone's Matthew. <laughs> or David. That's I meant Lucian. It's Lucian and Dora. And this is written by Cy Spurrier. He has done lots of comics, including 2000 AD and Judge Dredd, as well as X-Force. He's perhaps... Best known for X-Men Legacy Volume 2. That's the series that focused on Legion contending with his other personalities. Which I think is exactly the kind of weird that serves as a good resume for Sandman. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Books of Magic, I think, is probably the one I'm most interested in, oddly enough. I'd like to read Volumes 1 and 2 first, before the relaunch. that's kind of where I'm at on it, too. Like, there was an interesting hook for it in this issue. I have no knowledge of what that series is about, and, and there's a lot of classic books of magic to get into. Yeah. There's kind of an archive panic on that series. Yeah. I hope Dr. Fate is there, and he takes that lady and is like, Rad lady, you do not kill teachers. Well, it's like, it's like Dumbledore, though, right? Like, no. If- Dr. Fate is something like Dumbledore. Dr. Fate is, ma- is fantastic. I, okay, I know that you're shitting me now, because don't you have, like, a Dumbledore tattoo? <laughs> Almost. You haven't actually got that one yet? Not yet. <laughs> but you are a huge Dumbledore fan. I do love Dumbledore. I, I used to love him a lot, but uh, I recently faced some hard truths about him, how he's not as great as I think he is. He messed up a couple times. Well, he, he did the Obi-Wan the Gandalf thing, right? Yeah. Because he, he's kind of manipulating, kind of using the character. Maybe he doesn't have Harry's best interests at heart so much as he has winning the war at the front of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that accusation can be leveled at anybody. I think Dumbledore shows more than most that he had genuinely uh, loves his charges. Yeah, it's true. More than most. Okay. Or were so. you thinking of the fact that he allied with Godric Griffin, Godric Gryffindor? The, the evil Godric Griffin. No, you know, I mean, I know what you mean. You mean Johnny Gal- Depp. Gal- I'm talking about Gellert Grindelwald. Johnny Depp. No, I meant the first one you said. Just, okay. The, he, just, yeah. Just the general manipulative mentor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... Irregardless. Books of Magic is written by Kat Howard. She's an American writer with one novel, Roses and Rot, under her belt. And she's also published short stories in an anthology called Stories, which is edited by Neil Gaiman. Has she ever done comics before? I don't think so, but maybe. Sometimes it's good to have a not a comic writer write comics, because sometimes comic writers are shit. Yeah. It can happen. It can happen. And then we have The House of Whispers. Yeah, Killer Croc and some ladies. Kind of an anthology series. It's actually unclear, right? Like, yeah. House of Secrets, House of Mystery were anthology series. Yeah, we don't know. She implies that, that Uncle Monday is going to show up and tell his story. But there's also seemingly a regular cast. Yeah, we don't know if there's going to be a main cast and it's going to be all about them, or we don't know if it's going to be... Look at this, it's a, it's a, it's a one-footed parrot with two butts. <laughs> Let's hear his story this week. <laughs> two butts for one leg? <laughs> one leg, two butts. It's a parrot who's got a machine gun. They'll probably come up with better material than that. God, I hope so, because that's garbage. Yeah, so maybe it'll be a thing where they split issues. Some issues are on the main cast and some are stories. Or maybe it'll be like a thing where actual issues are divided and there's like a little bit of Latoya and Maggie and the kids Mm. in and around the anthology series. Or maybe it really is just just those characters. Maybe. But that sounds kind of fun. I I think I I like what we saw of that so far. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like just about everything we've read so far. Except for so the, writer, the bad baby. So the writer on House of Whispers is Nalo Hopkinson. She's a Jamaican-born Canadian writer. She has written six novels and edited two collections. One is a collection of Caribbean fabulous fiction. And one is Mojo Conjure Stories. That sounds awesome. I fucking love African and... Haitian and Caribbean folklore. Yeah, so she's Anansi. really she's really grounded in it to come in and be the one writing the voodoo book. Have I told you about Anansi, the church spreader of lore? My one of my favorite fables. Your favorite god. <laughs> yes, the trickster spider of lore. <laughs> and then there's Lucifer. And it's pretty much Lucifer again. He does me Lucifer. There's a bald guy. He's I, there's some birds. I admit I have very little grounding in in Vertigo's Lucifer. I'm a little grumpy about this one, just because, like, he's so evil yeah, and he's so black magical in the story that we saw here. He's, like, he's so close to being the traditional devil. I have never read a Lucifer book. I'm mildly interested in it. I want to see, like I said, there were a bunch of unanswered questions I wanted to know. Lucifer's son, that bald guy, why is he digging? Is he playing Minecraft? Mm-hmm. You also described that one as the story that you liked the least in that issue. Is that, do, you yep. think that, do you think that this Lucifer series is something you would check out? I would check it out. I would pick it up and read it. Okay, Here's a hard that's, a, that's a Dan Waters. He wrote Limbo, which is an 80s film noir with some voodoo in for Image, as well as Deep Roots, which is an apocalyptic story featuring killer plants for Vault. He also wrote Assassin's Creed comics, and he worked alongside Cy Spurrier on The Shadow for Dynamite. Assassin's Creed comics. Yeah. Well, let me tell you right now. I don't care one fucking iota about the Assassin's Creed overarching plotline. The amount I care about the Assassin's Creed plotline is just the story game to game. Like, I care about what they're accomplishing in that game. A I, lot. You, you care about Ezio. Yeah, I don't give a shit about the 10,000 billion years war between the Templars and the Assassins. To me, that actually detracts from the story to me. It drives me ins- I don't like it. I really dislike it. <laughs> we don't actually know what these comics are about. <laughs> You're right. I love the story in Syndicate. Oh, you played the one that was in, like, Dickensian in London, right? Yeah. That was after I had walked away. I played that one because I love Dickensian in London. And actually, I take that back. I don't like the story. I like the setting. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 So, okay, here's a fun question. If you had to pick one of these books to read, you can only read one. Yeah. And the other three will attack you. Attack me? Yeah. Like, I can read one book and I have to fight the characters from the other one? No, just the books. Oh, okay. What would you pick? If I had to pick one of these, I would probably go with Dreaming. Just because I'm familiar with the characters, I like generally Cy Spurrier's work, and I have a lot of love for Lucian and Matthew, and unlike certain people, I enjoy Dora. I'm curious to see what's up with that character. I would pick Books of Magic, because I feel like I've already read Dreaming. I mean, it's interesting, but is it just be more of the same, but without the Neil Gaiman touch? Oh, yeah, that's probably the one that, that's closest to what Sandman was originally doing. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean by that. And I say that, and I picked another one that actually has two volumes before it, but I haven't read those, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I would pick Books of Magic, but a very close second would be uh, House of Whispers. There's lots of houses. Yeah, I think that's the There's idea. the House of Mysteries, the House of Whispers, the House of Secrets, house the of House of M. Bleak House, Monster House. House of Seven Gables, House of Sand and Fog. The Doctor what? House. <laughs> okay, you outdid me. I thought I was good with the House of M, but you're like, no, Patrick. I'm going to take this joke, 
I'm gonna beat you with it. I'm gonna run it. No, no, you got close. I'm gonna run it all the way into the ground. <laughs> so what about this issue as a as an issue? Do you think? I mean, you complained that it was. Oh, as an issue, I think it's pure garbage. They're very. <laughs> all the things are very, very, very loosely connected at best. Okay. And it's just a good look at all these cool previews we have. And as that, it's great. But as an overall comprehensive issue, it's just a fucking clip show. Okay, it's an ad, and that's a real issue for you. Yeah, I mean, that's a legit complaint. I don't have a problem with that. I thought that a good job was done capturing the voice of some of the traditional characters. Yeah. Particularly Matthew and Lucian. I thought the art was terrific. I do love love the art. Particularly the Bilquist Eagley art in the, the dreaming sequences. Yeah, that was beautiful. Oh my god. The shots of the dreaming, the shots of the castle, it's amazing looking. It's probably the the best looking art in the entire book. I would give Lucifer a, a second place. Interesting. Okay. I liked the way the shit looked with Lucifer. I liked the first panel when they go to the flashback is especially impressive to me. I think it's fantastic. Because it shows all the bird skeletons and then all the birds bloody. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty cool transition. Yeah. I liked that transition a lot. Yeah, and I liked the Books of Magic art, but it was fairly simplistic, normal stuff. I did like that final panel, where it's like, Matthew freaking out. Oh, yeah, where Mr. Brisby's body. Yeah. And there's some really expressive character work in the Dominique Stanton art in the House of Whispers second, yeah. too. Yeah, especially uh, Babibi's face most of the time. <laughs> yeah. That exact panel. <laughs> She's just a grumpy little kid, and that panel captures it poifically. So overall, I think it's good. I would read all four of these. If I had to choose one, it would be Books of Magic. But I say that not having read the first two. So if I feel like if I read the first two, I might change my mind again. Do you feel like they're living up to being successors to Neil Gaiman? So far, okay. yeah. Did you ever feel like there was a need for more Sandman? Is that like something that you wanted? No, there was a I actually never felt that at all. I read Sandman from beginning to yeah. end. And I thought that's a good, complete story. Yeah, but now that you're seeing some of the work that they're doing to follow it up. You're finding that that's approaching the level of being a worthy successor. That's interesting enough. Yep. Cool. Like I said, I, I never said there should be more Sandman because I'm not one who says I liked it a lot so there should be more of it and there should be infinite of it. There's a point where you draw the line. like Yeah, and I feel like Sandman... Season, season 6, 7 of the X-Files you just draw the line. <laughs> right. So I read Sandman like that's good. I'm good with there, there being that much Sandman in the world. But if they can make new Sandman... Well, yeah, I'm probably going to read it <laughs> if it's good. And it's good. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, PK. Thanks for having me, Sean. Bird Guys is written and hosted by Eric and me. And today, Patrick. Yay. Our music is by Kelly Joyce Fielder. I produce the show and Eric handles social media. If you like our show, check out our website at vertiguys.blueberry.com. We've got lots more episodes plus show notes on every episode. You can reach us on Twitter at Vertiguys. You can reach me at BlankCastSean. We would love it if you would... Send us your thoughts or questions at vertiguys at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash vertiguys. If you are listening to this show on the Apple Podcast app or any other kind of app that lets you leave ratings or reviews, we would certainly appreciate good ones. They would help people to find this show, and we would be happy to call out positive reviews on the air. But as always, thanks for listening, everybody. Well, I think that about covers the facts. That's not right to you, PK. Close enough. Keeps on expanding and expanding in all of the directions it can whiz. As fast as it can go, at the speed of light, you know. 
12 million miles a minute and that's the fastest speed there is So remember when you're feeling very small and insecure How amazingly unlikely is your birth Well gosh darn good morning friend God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how long <laughs> I've been waiting to do that? <laughs> and it's like fuck now we have to talk about Full Metal Alchemist I don't have a choice <laughs> <laughs>